0: beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling- Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. My name is Francis, And I'm Nubia. And we have another fabulous show for you guys. We are sitting here with Elena Ledoux. Elena, say hello. Hi. Hi there. Thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. I'm very honored and delighted to be here. I love that. Honored and delighted. That just warmed my heart. So, Elena,
1: you are the owner of Supermaids and Mommy Go. Yes.
2: Yes, Superb Meets and Mommy Girl. I own a house cleaning company and I'm starting up my natural energy shots for mom's
0: company. Amazing. I That's mean, awesome. You are must be so freaking busy.
2: <laughs> I am. I'm really, really busy. And like number one question I get is, how do you do? Just, I was just asked today because I went to a women's shelter here in Las Vegas. It's called the Shade Tree. And so I spent some time there, you know, talking to women about applying for jobs and possibly giving them jobs. And so the the lady who was there, he's like, "How are you doing this? All of this, you know?" So she was, "I have a lot of help. That's how I do it." I try.
1: Well, to also, affect- when you do something you love or you do something you're passionate about, even though it takes a lot of man hours, it's gratifying. I mean, that's how I feel.
2: Yeah, I like work. I only do what I love doing. That really makes it all different.
1: So let's talk a little bit about how you are doing what you love doing. Because prior to being an entrepreneur and owning these businesses, you were a defense attorney.
2: Yes. And uh, that was my career originally upon immigrating to U.S. I went to law school and I became an attorney. And I loved law. I even said, like, I get paid to do this. You know, I would pay to do this. I love it because it's such a incredibly equalizing profession you for a woman for a minority woman you have to always prove yourself i can't prove myself with my physical strength unfortunately you know i don't have a lot of it a brawl or connections i'm a newcomer i'm an immigrant but in the court of law you know everybody's equal as long you can out prepare you can outsmart people and it's just incredible feeling of being able to beat anybody i want to beat as long as I really want it so I actually recommend legal profession to a lot of, you know, women that I know and girls because of that kind of aspect of it. it it's, and it's you competing, it's like constantly competing on your brain power with someone else. It's very, you never see an old attorney who is out of it. You know, the brain is very sharp. So I love law. And that was my primary passion for over a decade. Wow. wow. So
1: to- you know, as a kid, I always would rebuttal, right? I would always rebuke something that someone said. My mother used to be like, you know, you're so stubborn, you're going to be a lawyer one day. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I that thing.
2: I paid for being stubborn and argumentative, and I just could not believe you make a lot of money from, like, you arguably worse qualities, you know? <laughs> so, uh, it's great.
0: So, where did you immigrate from?
2: From Uzbekistan. I was actually born in Soviet Union, so my native language is Russian. I know I look Asian, and I have French last name, but USSR. A country that doesn't exist anymore. And the republic within it was Uzbekistan. So it's an independent state now.
1: You're worldly, like you said. You look Asian, you're from Russian Soviet.
2: The world, yes. With a French last name. (laughs) The first Russian name and I live I'm Korean ethnically. I lived in Honolulu and that's where I practiced law. And it's a true melting pot, so I adore Hawaii. I miss it, actually. So now I live in Vegas.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> That's actually it. awesome, though. So you have children. How many children do you have?
2: I have two. I have two boys. Uh, How old? So I have a 17-year-old, and I had him when I was in my first year of law school. And then I just recently had uh, another boy. It's supposed to be a girl, but came out a boy, which is okay. And <laughs> He is five years old.
1: Oh. Oh, that's awesome. So I mean, even aside with being a mom, that's a full time job in itself. Francis and I both have children. So to have two businesses, being a mom and a wife. And a daughter. Yeah. And a daughter. I mean, you have a lot going on, which is amazing. You took a two year sabbatical. Can you right. give us a little bit more about how and why you decided to take a sabbatical and how a two year sabbatical came about?
2: Yes, so the reason why I wanted even to be on your show, I wanted to encourage other people, other professionals like me. I was very conservative, right? It's always like study, work hard, save money, don't do anything crazy, you know, just be conservative. That's my personality. And I never thought I would do something crazy like this. But I'm married to a dreamer, to a person who just lives his life, he loves life. He loves enjoying, I think if it wasn't for him, I'd probably be living in a box to save money, and I'd probably be, like, mega, mega wealthy, but I wouldn't enjoy my life, you know, and he's all about, let's live, you know, you don't know how much we have left in this earth, you know, so let's just really make it worth it, and so that's his mantra, and he was doing his thing, I let him do it, he traveled a lot, he used to travel even more, and he just, he's a world traveler, right? And so I, so both countries where you're in now, like he's been many times. That's like, and I've been to Japan one time, but never to Thailand. So we're different animals. And he let me do my conservative thing, a boxing. I let him do his thing. But after some time, he started talking about how he had a dream about living in Europe for, for a few years, just like in France or Italy. That was his dream. And he kept talking about it and talking about it. And no, so I was always like, oh, no, that sounds great, honey, but, you know, I have my career. I'm an attorney. I can't just take off. And he would do stuff like buy tickets to Australia and be saying like, honey, I bought tickets to Australia. Let's go. And I said, wait, <laughs> I have a, I have a job. He sounds awesome. <laughs> let's go next week, you know, I bought tickets. And I said, wait, wait, I have a job. Like my job requires me to give them some notice. And I had really awesome boss, too. But still, what boss is going to tolerate you just taking off? You know, I have cases, I have clients, I have hearings, I can not just take off. And he's the spontaneous kind of person. And then he became really sad that I can't just take off and go. But my background is when I had my first son and I was in law school, I basically gave him over to my mom. And that's how I do it all. You know, somebody else is doing my job. So my mom was raising my son while I was doing law, full-time student and employee. And when I had my second son... My husband said, Look, you know, this is probably your last, you know, child. Uh, do you want to be like a mom and enjoy it and really experience mothership or motherhood? And I said, You know, no, you know, I, I'm okay with just like have other people having taken care of them. I'm not the most, the world's best, greatest, greatest mom. I love my kids dearly. I would give up my life for them in a second, in a nanosecond. But I'm not one of those let me drive you to life. soccer moms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not like, I'm like, look, dude, I want to have a life too. I want to have a career that comes first, my fulfillment, my personal growth, and then me being everything else, to everybody else, including my mm-hmm. kid, right? it's a little bit messed up, but it worked for me. But in, in this instance, I realized that even though I love my job and I had one of the greatest bosses ever, he gave me a lot of freedom, but I was still not free. I was still an employee. And uh, the job would dictate what I can and cannot do, where I can and cannot go. And I really didn't like that feeling of being tethered. And I think a couple of years prior to that, I actually took a side gig of running uh, an IT company. And I was kind of like a boss there because the company belonged to my husband. So I had this freedom of going and leaving and doing things. And I thought, I love that. It's so hard to go from that to like being tied to your desk, to being chained to your desk. I really could not give up that feeling of freedom, right? And so when this conversation came up, why don't you, don't you want to be a mom? Let's go, let's go to Europe. Let's, we had some a real estate in Hawaii and it was very expensive to maintain. So he's saying like, let's just sell it all and just take off and just do this because we can afford it. And I'm a number cr- numbers cruncher. So I crunch, crunch, crunch. And I, and I realized the cost of living in Hawaii was so high It'll be cheaper for me not to live there and work. I can actually retire immediately as long as I don't have to live in Hawaii. (laughs) Wow, and the world, you know, so that's crazy! Yeah, so I calculate because we were paying almost fifty thousand dollars a year in taxes. Damn, whoa, yeah, it was was like twelve thousand dollars a month in expenses for like between real estate, yeah, everything, our taxes. And so I figured, hey, if I just don't work, I, I will actually save money <laughs> to live in Italy, right? And not do the work. And I can spend time. And it was scary to give up your career, the, the one that you treasure and work so hard for. It was very, very scary for me to just pull the plug. I still have my license. I'm like, I'm not, like, even though I haven't practiced law in five years, I still kind of hang on to that because I really treasure law
1: but let's like let's stop there for really quickly because i love what you just said it cost you more to stay where you were than yes. it would have to let go and move on and oh my gosh That's that powerful. is so profound because people don't understand when i was living in washington dc i said every day that i spend here in washington dc is it's costing me the amount of me living in thailand for a week you get what i mean so exactly. The amount of money you pay. Yeah, it's logic. So the amount of money that I was paying for rent, which was somewhere in excess of like almost $2,000 a month, right? $2,000 a month for rent, not including your utilities, not including your car note, not including your groceries and all of that stuff. So now you're spending about somewhere in excess of $3,000 a month. I live in a place right now that my rent is $250 a month. So, So- $3,000 in one month in Washington, D.C. will afford me to stay in Thailand for almost six months. One month in comparison to six months. It's a no-brainer.
2: Bye, U.S. (laughs) You know 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 what I mean? So you have to sell your time and be somebody's employee and a slave to be able to have your freedom or to enjoy yourself. And then by the time you get to actually enjoy yourself, you are done. You spent. That's one of the reasons I created Mommy Go is because after working full time as an attorney, I'll come home and my kids will be, Mommy, let's play, let's spend time. i would be like, I know you see me here. I know it looks like I'm here, but I'm not here. Like I'm done for the day. So I was always felt really guilty that I can't really dedicate myself to spending quality time with my boys. Um, and then I have a husband who really wants to live out his dream. One of the dreams of mine were to le- live um, as an expat. I didn't quite put it in those words, but I th- that that feeling of living in a foreign country and living like fantastic life and just learning and enjoying and just everything is new and raw. I always felt like this is what I want. And not it's not until my husband brought it up when I realized that is also my dream. So it kind of all matched up uh, we put our apartments for sale we sold them pretty quickly I paid off like any any debts and we're basically free untethered to anything in the u.s awesome we just took off and i think we started we actually to ease the pain of transition we actually lived on the in berkeley california for like i don't know how long Oh uh, well, no, pacific northwest berkeley it was for a few weeks just to like acclimate because my husband is thinking logistically we actually brought my parents too because we're going to show them the world they grew up behind iron curtain they've never seen like Paris or nothing so we decided to bring my mom and dad and my oldest son best friend from honolulu (laughs) so it was like this this the tribe came huh the whole crew my husband was thinking like i can't just take them from honolulu plot them down to paris which is what us starting point he's like we're going to transition slowly we're going to go you know in stages so we did the specific northwest and for the first time i wasn't like doing anything i was just i had to find i could talk to my family spend time with them i could cook for them you know it was, it was, it was learning experience for me also just transform from being a lawyer always been high heels and then suddenly it's bare feet, you know, in grass. So we did that. Then we went to Paris. We were there for a while, a couple months, I think. And we did it so because logistically you're supposed to be um, in and out of EU like every three mm-hmm. months.
1: Every, every 90 days, yeah. Yeah, and then
2: you want to deal with all the bureaucracy. So we did like, we planned out the countries and we actually calculated it's cheaper, which my husband couldn't believe for a while. We calculated it's cheaper to live in Europe full time than. And a lot of places in the U.S. And he wouldn't, I even said, look, we can even afford to live in Paris, you know, Marseille or wherever. And he said, well, how could it be? Because it's like, it's not a cheap place, you know, like it's not known to be a budget destination. He said, look at the average income of a French family or French person. It's, it's, I think, 45000 or it's less than U.S. So if you think about it, as long as you live like a local, Mm -hmm. cheaper, theoretically speaking. So I'm like, we'll find out for sure, but it should be cheaper.
0: Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think I always tell folks, and I actually had a friend who had moved to Japan and I was like, listen, cause Japan is <laughs> expensive. I was like, if you just live like a local, eat like a local, you'll be fine.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You would have been to Europe before. It was super expensive. We did like Tuscany and Florence. But you and- were also a tourist at the time. I was too. Yeah. We're a tourist. It's a difference. It was extremely expensive. But as a local, it's extremely cheap. It's very, very reasonable. And we lived in this, we actually live in Nice, one of our first uh, destinations. We lived in this villa, right? And it it had this huge stone terrace with orange trees blossoming, and we would walk to the market. And Nice, again, it's not a cheap destination by all means, right? And so there are all these millionaires. Tina Turner lives there, you know? So it's like, it's an expensive place. But we went to, I would, we would get up and walk to the market, which is Provence. It's the best food in the world, right? So we would just get, like, tomatoes and, you know, arugula. And, and then we'd go by the shops and get, like, sweets. And, and Nice is, at like, intersection of Italy and France. So you get the both of best of both worlds. You have a French bread, which is amazing, and French pastries. You have Italian cold cuts, right, and Italian pizza. And seafood, and it's a it's a it's a sea destination. So there's seafood. There's there's all these like, and it's Provence. It's the capital of Provence. So you have like the best, absolutely best fruits and vegetables. wine and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you can walk by the market. And you can smell that tomato. You can, and here they cover it in trash, right? So it doesn't, and they collect it too early. Over there, they just collected this morning, and it smells like heaven. So i she would like eat everything I'm over the there the- yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't mind francis
1: she's greedy so when and, and when she hears food she gets very excited yeah and Japan has
2: amazing food too but it's a, it's an amazingly different way it's very engineered whereas there it's very much like raw and it's like there's a peasant you know there's a farmer with dirt in his hands, and he's selling those tomatoes he just picked from and then yeah it's amazing. And you feel that like my parents actually, they always, they like processed food. But when we brought them to Nice, they would complain every single day that I was feeding them salads. Every single day. <laughs> then they adopted this habit of eating healthy from that. Even to this day, five years later, they eat salads every day.
0: You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Yeah, let's talk about that, the holistic approach of travel, right? So can you give our
1: listeners a little bit about how just the move empowered your self-care and how important it was for work-life balance? Because now, you know, when you spoke about being in Hawaii, you were working so much as a professional that work came first, you were exhausted, you had the kids, you had the husband that wants to go do this, but, you know, right now, and he couldn't do this right now. But then you took a step back, you allowed yourself to let go. How important was that for your self-care, your mental health?
2: It was incredible because I had this thing for years, which I thought was uh, a breathing condition or like lung condition where I would start suffocating. I can't breathe in all the way. I would have to sit up in bed to be able to breathe. And I realized years later, it was kind of anxiety. And I'm the person who always has her has shit together. Like you look at me and I just, everything is down, everything and I, I never panic. People come to me in panic to solve their issues. So I'm always very calm. So I would it would, I would never have thought that I have any kind of stress and anxiety. But apparently I did. And the only time I heard that I do have stress is from my masseuse. She'll say, oh, my God, what are you doing with the shoulders? You know, so it was all in my shoulders. It was all in my lungs. And it was compressing me, which I didn't realize. And I'm not one of those health lifestyle gurus. You know, my husband is. So I eat pretty much anything, you know, I'm very low key, like however unhealthy that is or healthy that is, I really don't care. I'm very democratic. But the fact that that thing, the breathing condition suddenly was solved on its own with your baby next to you, walking slowly to the market, picking out the best like strawberries and warm French bread, slowly walking back and, you know, feeding, waking up your family. Eating on the terrace with orange trees. Somehow that seemed to be the best treatment for my, you know, breathing condition. It just went away, and I've never had it since. You know, I just like that because then you become self aware. Like, okay, I must have been anxious. I must have been tired. So let's maybe not do a lot of the same of stressful stuff that I used to do, and like just not do that anymore. So I kind of self. I can self adjust now after learning this thing, right? Um, and we became eating, we began eating like really, really healthy. We still carry it to this day, you know. It's just kind of reset up the mentality. We started doing yoga, we started meditation, we read a lot, we did all these things. And you think it's so cliche, you know, yes, everybody dreams about, you know, riding in Paris on the bicycle with a baguette, right? And reading the book and <laughs> <laughs> Right, It's so cliche. But there's a reason why it's cliche. You know, there's there's a reason for it. It's a, the it's a highest possible quality of life to do that, to be in this beautiful, beautiful space, to be like intellectually stimulated, you know, to look at this amazing art architecture, to eat this amazing food. You know, it's French like it's, food. French food. It's a gift to your senses, you know, in all respects. So yes, you can be in a box somewhere in, in like in the middle of, lubbock texas or something like that and you can suffer and you can grind it out and you can be a good girl you know but when is your turn to live Mm -hmm. when does this happen and what happens if you get hit by a bus like you never like right now i don't even have a fear of death because i feel like i lived like i truly did i love i fell in love i am married to the love of my life you know i have two amazing kids i've seen the world like and a big part of realizing and being grounded and, like, the happiness is going out with my mom and dad, with my husband, with my kids, and living in France. So I feel mm-hmm. like if something happens to me tomorrow. I don't feel regret that I haven't lived. I feel like I lived, even though I it's only been, like, two years, right? But it was enough for me to say, like, okay, you cannot complain. So <laughs> you're going to go down. You cannot now,
0: complain. I mean, I, I love that because, and, and we talk about this repeatedly, how travel really what it does it makes uh, gratitude erupt and Mm -hmm. everything just shifts and everything that you used to think mattered just doesn't matter anymore and you slow down and it really depends on which country you go to for example like japan's a great country but it has a similar work ethic as the united states so everyone's just working all day long and and for me that's just not a good fit because i you know i think self-care without self-care you can't, it doesn't make sense. Your, your health is your wealth. That so French point blank. Are
2: amazing in that. You know, we had the neighbors and we shared the yard and those people, they'll set, set up this long table outside under the trees. They'll invite like 20 friends, right? wine and like food. And they never invited us because they didn't know who we were. But they would sit there like literally for seven hours drinking wine, ha ha ha, talking in French and eating this amazing food. And I was like, Look at those bastards! What are they doing? It's been seven hours. <laughs> Enjoy them. But they're having dinner, and it wasn't like a holiday, right? Because we'll get together with friends too. But this is not a holiday. It's like a. Thursday, you know, afternoon, and they're just like enjoying themselves. And that's not
1: was- art in eating in Europe, literally. Like, you start with your cup uh, of your, what is it, aperitif, you know, beverage, and then you move on to your, your meal, and then you move on to a dessert along with a cup of cafe. It's like you, it's, it's like a whole process. Somebody, it's a, yeah, it's it a is a whole an experience. Process. You can sit at a cafe for hours.
2: Yeah. and I mean, you in, like, know? here, like heat up our burrito, you know, in a microwave and just eat it on the go, yeah. right? So in a car somewhere. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge distance between those two. And it was it was a revelation. And even uh, we went to completely different countries. So we, we did France, we did Spain, which Spain, of course, has a similar culture. We, we're going to get up really late. We're going like, to take it <laughs> slow, right? And we're going to enjoy the nature and the kids. So that's that kind of culture. So it's very similar to French in that respect. And they also had like promenade. You're supposed to just walk around, like dress up and walk around, you know. So that was that. And then we did Turkey, which is culturally completely different, right? It was different. So we did Istanbul, we did Bodrum. Again, they, had, they would sit down and they have this huge, you know, table full of like amazing food. And they would just sit there and talk and they chat and they laugh. And they also had this habit of just grabbing your family and walking them for no reason at all, you know, in the middle of the square. You <laughs> know, said they, they grab them. your family and they just walk them around. <laughs> yeah, they just walk around with their family because I'm all about, like, I have to go from point A to point B. It's a military mission. I have to accomplish my mission, right? It's a purposeful walking. <laughs> these people, they just like, wow, Wander. like yeah. yeah, and there's trees and the birds. And, and of course, it's a Muslim country, so you have, like, Call for prayer you know you have it's just like a foreign land but people still enjoy it. they love babies i mean turks are obsessed with babies so it would get stopped all the time our baby was a celebrity because he had like a red hair and he was really fat so they just <laughs> love that so uh, you know like we went we went to topkapi palace which is like the the former sultan's palace and there are lines of children, and they they when they saw my son, they started screaming, and they started taking pictures of him instead of like the – so I have a photo, actually, of like line of kids taking photo, and my husband said, pick him up, pick him up. So I pick up my fat little redhead baby, and then all these Turkish kids are taking pictures of him. You know, it's like you can't buy that experience even if you want it, right? Yeah,
1: and the great thing about it is I love the fact that you keep mentioning about the communal eating. It has always been said in culture after culture, no matter what kind of uh, culture, in breaking bread and having those kind of experience with the fellow man is neighboring, is community. Yes. And unfortunately, a lot of places in the States do not have that kind of, community. But when you do travel abroad, you find that com- aspect of things. You know, people do sit in and have conversations together and and be, they're merry. They're really, you know, in Thailand, they're so laid back. They're friendly people, you know, and it's, it's you don't find that in a lot of places. It's really tough where in the States, I felt like, and I don't want to feel like upstate fashion or whatever, but there's a heightened sense of, like you said, anxiety, Anxiety and anger and also worry because of everything that's going on right now in the states, you know? It's just it really does put you in a place where everything is so locked up inside of you, the anxiety, the depression, the 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 sense of worry and fear and anger and all that stuff that when you go somewhere else, a lot of that stuff just melts away. and you never really realize that you didn't or you wasn't living your best life because you were so always looking over your shoulder. I'm in the place where, I don't worry about things. I really don't.
0: Yeah. You know Same, what I'm yeah. saying? It's, it's really like enjoyable zero... to wake
1: up every day and not...
0: Yeah, I have zero drama. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah,
1: it's
0: amazing. Yeah. So let me ask you, Elena, what was it like coming back? You were gone for two years and you've had all these experiences and you're like, your self-care, you, you finally understand, you, you've really built and got the, all these tools. What was it like coming back?
2: Well, I had, um, the, one of the things that are also notable about me, I'm a huge patriot. Of, of, I'm an American. I, I love this country. And they love certain aspects of it, which are like go-getter, you know, and like, and the, the, the spaces and the big houses, you know, like there's certain things I love about U.S. So I try to focus more on like, Positive sides that are waiting for me, and was I ready to come back? Probably because you live in—we would live three months in every place, right? So you live like in Nice for three months, which is amazing, and then you live in Paris for three months. You live in—we did Ireland, you know, rural Ireland. And I'm not a rural girl; like I'm not one of those. Like on the like, my husband has a fantasy that he's a farmer, which. But that doesn't include farming work. So we lived on an actual little farm in Ireland with cows and everything. It's just not my thing. So after, like, this big adventure, I was thinking, like, okay, you know, I'm ready to... And that's part of the thing that I like, too, is, like, coming back, you get to enjoy U.S. for what it is. After having been away, it's like you're away from, you know, your close friend... And maybe they're annoying you, but you miss them. So by the time you get to see them again, you really like them again because you haven't seen them for a while, right? So it just makes you appreciate all oh the things that we're missing. Yeah. So I like we came back and we actually settled in Vegas because the cost of living is much much lower than Honolulu, and because we actually had some real estate here as investment, so we just we'll just live in one of our homes that we have. Again, very, very cheap. And we bought the properties in the middle of real estate crisis here, which they're given properties away. So we just bought a bunch of them. And so it was just a good timing for us to come back and to kind of like, oh, you know, we're going to be like real Americans. We're going to drive in the car everywhere. Because you just drive there, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We're so happy about everything. Oh, we're going to use the dryer. You know, we're so <laughs> in, 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 happy. In so true. We're- like right, and so here, we're like we get to use the dry. Yes, we, we get to be naughty. I actually used the, <laughs> the dry racks. I had, I still have one for like first three months or four months, and I was like, oh, screw that! It's so much better when you have a warm towel and kind of. Yeah, you
1: know, it's, it's hilarious it. you just said that. For instance, what did I just say to you earlier today about laundry? <laughs> oh yeah, about the racks. I was just like I really just want to do a really good oh, yes. load of laundry, yes. like you know, because <laughs> being abroad, you don't have dryers a lot. You do hang yes. your clothes up. We don't have we're so used to like gain or tide or whatever. You don't have those things. So, but it's all the the luxuries that you had in the states that you do miss when you are abroad that you take for granted when you don't have it, and then when you get it, you're like,
2: oh my gosh,
1: a dryer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and or the big yeah. bathroom, you know, or like multiple bathrooms, like you don't realize how, and I'm from a third world country. So it was never, I never failed to appreciate how good we have it here. I never do. It's always in the back of my mind, because I could have been like, we have outhouses, you know, like, that's how we live over there. So here you have the actual, like, indoor plumbing, which is great. And in US here, you have like, I have in in this house we have three bathrooms right which to me is like unimaginable you balance it against like the amazing art you can see right mm-hmm. so we don't have a museum here in Las Vegas for example right so we, we do have like for example in LA so you have to drive there if you want to look at some great art uh, and in Europe it's everywhere you know you're
1: surrounded by it yeah
2: right so and that's yeah. one of things I really love and so but now I have like uh, withdrawal symptoms where Once in a while, I'll be really craving amazing food and amazing art. So we actually are going to back to Europe this summer for like a whole summer. We're going to be in London, Berlin, and then we're going to probably do Portugal for like a month and then come back.
1: Awesome. So while you were away, did you complete a book, the 98 Tips for
2: Achieving the American Dream? Is that something you wrote while you were on your sabbatical? I believe so, yes. And it's it was because my friends were immigrating, I think towards the end of it, they were immigrating to US. And then my brother was also immigrating. And I was thinking back, I had pretty colorful history when I first started here. So I, I made a lot of mistakes, like every single mistake I could make, I did. So I was thinking, and it would have been nice if when you land in US, you were given like, to do, you know, a guide, <laughs> you know, like, don't lend your credit card to strangers, right? Or like things. <laughs> Did go, you yeah. say don't no, lend just... your credit card to a stranger? Wow, yeah, don't yeah, do that. yeah anyone, like just be careful with credit history. But it's very compelling if you go up overseas. Over there, there's not a lot of scammers. For something. I mean, there's some, but it's very rare. And usually, if there's official message from you, you know, mm-hmm. by phone or TV or a book, anything you read in the book must be true. Like that's the mindset. So there are a lot of pitfalls. But here, people prey on immigrants. Very, very common.
1: So That's horrible. But,
2: yeah, it's horrible because they truly are very innocent, They're like children. They don't know any, When I immigrated to the U.S., I didn't know. I've never seen an ATM machine. I've never seen a straw. I didn't know how to use a straw, you know, like a drink wow. straw. You know, I've never been, I, we don't have like Burger King or anything. So I was like, I said, I have a whopper I think when I or hopper Can it, I kind of have a hopper I said because it's W-H-O right so it's like who so I said hopper so like you just um, you just have a baby
1: yeah
2: yeah and, you know okay. I, for, for that so people can read it and be like okay I guess I won't do the scam you know I guess I'll go to school or I guess I get a job you know stuff like that's that. that's great though
0: no I mean I totally that's that, awesome because you know my family we all came immigrated here as well and my aunt was very, she's very, love her, bless her heart, but she's really naive. And I'm like, and I had to like, make sure I read all the papers. I'm like, no, don't do this, do that. And I'm like 10, you know what I mean? Like, no, this is, you know, cause she didn't speak English. So I had to do a lot of translating. So it does happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So how are things going now that you're back in the States? You're about to take family vacations now. Are you back in doing law or is, is now just being a full-time entrepreneur full-time mom and wife, your priority at this moment?
2: Well, right now, I actually, last year, I discovered a new side of me because I was doing translation for uh, one of my family, one of my friends, a family, and their child was HIV positive. It's a hospital introduced, right? They're newly immigrated. So I was doing translation. Everything was going well. There was a clinic here at the local university, UNLV, and they're treating the kid. Everything was fine. And then suddenly their treatment was denied. The, the university took 100 HIV positive kids and tossed them on the street. And there's no other clinic or provider. There's no medication. It was, and I was like, no, you know, that can't be. It must be a mistake. So let me fix that for you. So I started making phone calls because I'm a lawyer and all that, right? So I started making phone calls. And then I realized it's not a mistake. They actually made that conscious decision of like dumping those kids on the street, right? So all of a sudden, at the ripe old age of 40, I'm finding myself being like an advocate or some type of crazy lady. I don't know. We're like I call I have a few friends like that. I call them revolutionary friends, because they're always like protesting something, fighting for some right. And I'm always that like comfortable, like, yeah, yeah, you do your thing, you're amazing. You know, I never got involved until last year. And that was also compounded by elections. I was very devastated over Trump winning. I tried to pretend it didn't happen. You know, (laughs) I was like, I'm going to pretend this just did not happen. You know, I'm just going to just go to Nice and live there for a while and then come back. And then I see all the like evil stuff that's happening like legislatively. Right. And so I was thinking like, at some point, I'm going to be super unhappy to just keep watching this. And I I wouldn't be able to pretend that it's not happening anymore. So I have to intervene. So I started doing like, I became like a community activist. I found the lawyers for that. One of the little girls who was denied treatment, we sued the university. I called every political office, every community organization, every new station in the whole state and also in the nation just to get this thing resolved. And then I, the more I kind of, I, I was like, okay, what led to this idiotic decision, right? Of, of doing this. And I find out that there was uh, some problem with racism within the university. And as part of the politics and the punishment to a black doctor who complained about racism, they shut down his pet project. So that is even more messed up now for me because I'm a minority, right? And then I started like digging deeper into that and like, okay, let's see what else is going on there. And there's a systematic discrimination against minorities and against women at the universities. And I just, I was like, okay, I'm 40. I have another good 40 years of my life. If I have to look at myself every day and say, like, you suck, you know, that I just don't want to do that. I'd rather, like, stand up for something and then be very uncomfortable with who I am. And so so you, found
1: what, a, you found a purpose.
2: Yeah. I mean, if the purpose found me worry about those people. And that drives me crazy. I'm just not comfortable with myself. Existing, which is why I told, I told you in the beginning, like, I really miss Hawaii. This shit would have never happened in Hawaii. Oh, my yeah. God. That, well, do
1: you have a way that if maybe there's a listener or listeners that want to be a part of the cause and help you out in any way they can, is there a way that they can contact you or contact this organization or whatever you're doing at this time?
2: Yes. Yeah, so uh, the name of the so the two people who got affected by this and who used to run this clinic for free for like over a decade right until it was taken away from them they have their own nonprofit. it's called healthy sunrise foundation
1: healthy sunrise
2: foundation okay do incredible work they the one thing they're really bad at is raising money (laughs) they don't know how to ask money they don't know how to do that they're great at writing grants so but they did it for the university because they're trying to build global health institute here in las vegas because there's nothing here you know so they're like, let's create this global institution where we'll go to India, we'll go to Ghana, we'll go to Nigeria. We we will like teach them how to fix this thing because they really have like out of control HIV you know, rates. Right? And here it's contained to some extent because of them. So right, so Healthy Sunrise Foundation, if somebody can like reach out to them, donate. No, it is. I mean, we've
0: got a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on and we really appreciate those who are out there in the front lines doing the kind of work that needs to take place. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. But Elena, let me ask you, you know, since you've done this and all of your experiences, what advice would you give to people or thinking about taking a sabbatical or doing the same thing that you've done?
2: I would say it's very scary. I I, I can't tell you how many people reached out to me, lawyers and mothers, saying like, look, I would just die from happiness if I got to do what you, you did. And I said, look, I know it's scary, but just use logic. Calculate it. I actually had, like, we had triple plan about what's going to happen if we run out of money, right? So we had the actual money for this. And then we had, okay, if we run out of all this money, we're going to use our credit cards. And if that fails, then we'll calculate it. We we'll set up, like, income stream from the property. And I'm not going to say everybody can do it. But if you really, really want to, you figure out how to do it. You can get a job, maybe. Like, we didn't work. Um, my husband had a business that was running remotely. But... Literally, if I wanted to teach English or do something remote as a translator, we like enter that into the equation, right? So we made contingency plans and we calculated until there was no logical reason not to do it, right? If I actually save money by doing this, then why am I like, am I working to make mortgage payments? Like what is it really I'm living for, right? And when is my turn to actually live? So I would, I want to say like, There's Yes, there's this dreamer side to you, but just lean in your practical side and conservative side and just calculate. Like, okay, it's going to cost us $40,000 a year to do this. Is this really that much money when you're thinking you're creating lifetime memories? And then one more very important factor is the child's development, right? So if you have a child who's really small and tiny... And their brain, like the neurons are firing and they're growing connections, right? And that child sees TV all the time. But that is what's growing within the connections, right? Or if they do, like you try your best so you show them the book, you show the cow in the book, right? But imagine that child seeing the actual cow, you know, in the field, smelling it, touching it, right? Imagine that child looking up and seeing Eiffel Tower. Imagine the child going to Lube. Imagine the child riding a boat, Imagine the child, like my children, especially the little one, like they got, they rode ferries, they rode horses, uh, they've been to Paris, they've been to, uh, they've been to Japan, right? So it's like, and my younger child, he was so stimulated by all this like constantly changing environments. He's extremely smart. And I don't think he's smart because like just genetics or anything like that. He's probably the smartest like family member we have in our whole expanded family. And I truly believe it's because he was like so constantly exposed to everything. And I think because the brain, his brain is at that level where constantly, okay, I'm in Ireland today. Let's learn everything about like Ireland, right? About these little canals that they have there, about the cows, about let's talk, like, let's talk to this Irish babies for like redheads. And, and then the next day you're in Turkey. Oh, my God, there's like a mosque and there's the dogs like the, there's a call for prayer and the dogs are singing with that call of prayer. It's a different. So, so neurons, they did that part now and they get to do that part. So you get like like genius level, you know, awareness, even the, the other son who is a teenager, my oldest son. And he grew up with an iPad and TV and that's, you know, in my mom, this is how he was very contained, right? So he's lagging in development, but even for him, he's very artistic. So he would, he got in touch with his, with the art. He, he would, in the beginning we go to a museum and he would be just like running by the art and then it, was, it became slower and slower until so he would just freeze up and he would just stare. And just to see that progress, Like, you know, your child is creative, right? So just give them all this, like the best art in the world. So I would say it was amazing from the perspective of developing your children and developing yourself, like thinking about who I am. Am I the person who can talk about philosophy or art or culture? And there are very embarrassing gaps in my education that I discovered as a result of that. And so you'd be like, okay, you know, I'm going to Ireland. Let's learn all about, you know, Irish famine or whatever happened that, Apparently, I was not paying attention to school. So it's like, and then you feel good. Okay, I educated myself. You can watch like uh, some videos online, documentary sites. So you're forcing to learn to teach yourself. You become more educated, healthier. You save money. Your kids get really, really developed, which I I know for for all of us moms out there, it's very important. So you're saying like, okay, I'm going to pay a lot of money and I'm going to like buy art lessons for my kids. Or, okay, I'm gonna buy a lot of money and I'm gonna drive my kid to like a soccer practice or to some camp, right? For one week that they're gonna be like, like my husband said, I wanna send our kid to camp. Uh, it's like, how much did he say? $7,000, they're gonna kayak down like uh, Grand Canyon. And I'm like, whoa, 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 right? No, no. Like, so if you wanna, to <laughs> yeah, it's just like, no, like give him a kayak and have him actually do that, not for $7,000, i know, just he can do it. Like all these engineered activities where in reality, if you just like plop them down somewhere like in Japan or Thailand or Paris, right? They learn so much because they had to they have to adjust. Like I don't understand what they're talking about. Like I don't never seen this food. And they have to learn. And then they have to learn again and they have to adjust when they and when they come to US, you know, you, they see like for example racism or some things that are wrong and they'd be like, This would so not fly, you know, wherever. This is wrong. And they also understand that, okay, you are, as Americans, not the center of the universe. There are other people out there that just as good as you are, you know, or better. Like, you cannot, like, put people down and have superiority complex. You have to treat other people like equal because you, like, you've seen the stuff that they do, the art they do, the buildings. You can't marginalize them. So I really want my kids to be aware of that, right? To, To be, like, I, some parents say, like, oh, you know, I'm going to take my kid to third world countries so they know how good, you know, we have them. Like, that's a wrong thing to say. But I think I want my kids to see other people in the world. Like, if you see, like, a lot of times in US, you have areas where there's not a lot of Asian people, right? You see, like, one Asian person running by. You're like, oh my God, that's an Asian person. And so it looks like a foreigner, foreign entity, right? And then you go to, to Japan or you go to Hawaii and you like, holy shit, you know, they have their own land, you know, like, they have, like, this, you know, they, they have, they have like, Supreme Court Justice, right, who's Asian, they have, like, Korean, they have, like, a mayor of Honolulu, who's Filipino, like, so you're like, oh, my God, the whole government position, you know, it just really, and it then you see, mind. like, that.
0: Yeah, it blows your mind, and I think, and I, I love what so you happy. said, yeah, so there's, like, two things I just want to highlight, you know, take the emotion out of making that decision and just really look at the pure logic. Cause usually the facts are the facts and that, you know, as moms, so, cause we have a lot of single parents or families traveling, your kid is going to get an amazing, beautiful experience by being able to go abroad. And so I love those two takeaways that you just gave us. All right. So Elena, you know, if you'd like to share how people can get in touch with you, I know you have mommy go, Co uh, or any other social media handles that you'd like to share.
2: Yes, if they want to email me at happy at mommygo.co. And then we have Mommy Go Energy, which is uh, our handle on Instagram or on Twitter. And then our website is mommygo.co. And, you know, part of the thing that I want to do with mommygo which is Natural Energy Shots for Mom, I decided since my friend with a nonprofit is not very good at making money, and I actually am, I'll just make money and just give it to her. You know, like, I want to be, like, I want to private energy founder, for example, is a billionaire, right? And that stuff is, like, a horrible crap. So my product is actually a great product. It's made out of Japanese matcha, you know, and you know how good that is for you, right? It reduces stress, it improves your concentration. So it's a much better product as long as I have enough stamina to propagate it and to make it success. Want to be ultra successful, and I'm just gonna take the money. That was another revelation during the last election cycle. I see all these like, big old boys like trying to throw their money at where like to influence politics, and I'm like, why isn't there somebody on the good side doing that? Why is it only evil? Like, why is it only NRA does that, or like somebody who has like uh, some crazy agenda? Right? Where's the good people throwing money? Where's the good billionaire? So I'm like, I've decided to do. <laughs> that's to maybe become really really successful at that level where I can just hey if they took away like health insurance for kids I'll just give them health insurance hey they took away your clinic for HIV kids I'm just gonna fund your clinic you know it's like it's just money right so yeah so we'll see I love it yeah that's my theory because it's very easy for me to just say you know what I'm just and I told my husband sometimes I get tired I'm like I'll Let's just go back to like France, or go to Italy and like Tuscany, just just chill. We we'll have enough money to just do that. Not do all the crazy stuff, not just try to fix it. But at the same time, you know, like now I know I'm not going to be totally happy. So so part of your your thing that you're doing, traveling, living the world, and you know enjoying yourself, it's amazing for you, right? But then the world out there also need you just to remember that, you know, just like do what you can. And I'm sure you, you also pro- propagating a very important message too, which is don't forget about you, you know, you're yes. doing, all this, right. Just remember who you are. Remember to live, right. Don't forget to live. And that's a very important message, but I would say don't live for like 20 years and just disappear into right? like Neverland. Just come back after like two, three years and do what has to be done to clean the house. The house is very dirty needs to be cleaned so I love that that.
0: (laughs) I love that Well, Elena, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yes, thank uh, thank you. It's just been amazing to see your journey and and see how much of a badass (laughs) you are. You (laughs) are a badass. (laughs) I'm like, man, uh, I got to look at my life. (laughs) But yes, (laughs)
2: it's
0: very inspirational.
2: Well, I'm sure you guys are far more capable than I am or ever could be. So I just want you to like, that's why I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Come back to US, and, like, Do and you me. said you'd never been to Thailand. Absolutely, I'll reach out because this is one of the things. Like, yeah, I haven't done enough of Asia at all. Like, I look Asian, I am Asian. I'm just haven't done. I just did Japan. I've never been to Korea. So, like, in Thailand, my husband always says Thailand is amazing, has amazing food, amazing people. I'm like, what are we still doing here? Then, like, <laughs> we should be there, right? And Japan too. We like, we really missed. <laughs> It has, like, the food there is incredible, the people are yeah. very sweet, like, yeah. it's, it's nice. But, like, it's just, it's just nice because every country has its flavor. You have people who, like, yeah. high strung or aggressive, you know, go-getters, whatever. And then you have people who are just happy, they're mellow, they're polite. And it's just nice to be there. I get you like in paradise right now. So I, I envy you. So, but do come back, please. <laughs> help me. Please help me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. More people like you here, right? More monkeys, more international people. It's going to be a much better place than if we all take off. And I never just come like, back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not coming back. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, I have the ocean, you know, I have, like, sushi. I'm not coming back. You have to come back. It's like...
1: I know. I get anxiety thinking about it, though. Yeah, same (laughs) zines.
0: Same zines. I'm
2: like... Yeah, when Trump got elected, I was thinking, like, okay, a lot of people said, I'm just going to go move to Canada. But I, I said, like, look, if your mom gets cancer, you don't move to Canada. You help her. Like, you cut out the tumor, you help her. You stay, right? So, like, right now we're having a big cancer moment. So like you can, I'm sure you can help remotely, you know, just like you're a media outlet. So just, just do your thing. You know, oh, counter wow. the to bad people, please, so, through what you do.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on our
0: show. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review follow us on instagram and hit that like button at chronicles underscore abroad find us online at our website chroniclesabroad.com for tips resources and ways we can collaborate so don't forget to join us next week for another episode until then beautiful people thanks for listening Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.